Mr. Phillips, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Very well indeed. Yourself? Good. How did the golf go? Um, very, very well, until about the last couple of holes. It turns out 36 holes in a day is probably a bit much for a man of my fitness. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine for me, I would be in a, in a heap after 36 holes. Um, so uh, was that a course you've played before or not played that one before? Yeah, so the place I played played in the afternoon is one that I play most regularly. I'm no member, but I play sort of the ones in my immediate vicinity semi-regularly. Um, but yeah, it was going going very well. I was looking to break a PB and then I hit a triple on about the 15th and it all went to pot. Oh, dear. Uh, and, and did you beat your brother, more importantly? I did, thankfully. He's still got a way to go, but he's uh, much longer in the tooth than him. So he's only just taken up the game and he's getting a bit better week on week. So I don't think it'll be long till he puts me a shift. Yeah, I have a uh, I have a sixteen year old son, and um, I've taught him how to play. Um, well, I've, I've shown him what to do, um, <laughs> and um, it's been pretty one way traffic for you know, you know. I sort of started teaching him when he was about, I don't know, maybe uh, you know eleven or twelve. So for the last you know four years or so, it's been pretty much one way traffic. Uh, and um, uh, just we went around a little sort of nine-hole pitching putt um, uh, last couple of weeks ago, and he beat me fair and square, and that was very disappointing, <laughs> you know, because um, you know it's no good when your son starts beating you at golf, and I'm trying, <laughs> uh, you know, I was trying hard too. I wasn't, I wasn't fucking about, and um, and uh, he he beat me fair and square, and. Uh, the delight in his eyes. I was happy for him, and uh, and I can still beat him on a full size course. But it, it's just a matter of time, do you know. Um, he he can absolutely outdrive me to hell now. And uh, oh, to be young and fit and strong, eh, Matt? Oh well, those days are long gone for me too. I think, but yeah, it's, it's nice to get out and round the course, isn't it? But yeah, um... that's right. Yeah, I, I love golf. Um, uh, you know, I, I loved if I was to, I just love to be a better player than what I, you know, what I am. Uh, if I was to at my peak when I was, you know, without children and without what wives and without all that sort of nonsense in terms of dragging my time away from golf, I I got down to, you know, I think I bet loads I got was about an eighteen, uh, and so I was never any great shakes at golf, but I loved it, and um, I just would obsess about you know uh, missed putts and uh, and and opportunities gone, you know, at the end of the evening and in my on my bed of nails at night, I'd think about. Oh, if I could just do that, I, if I just shaved that shot off that, if I sunk that part or I did that. And, you know, so I, you know, I, I sort of had this fascination that I would be, a, you know, get down to single figures and all of that, but no, yeah. not a bar of it. No, my, my, I think that was my pinnacle of, of my ability. And, and um, I love the game. I absolutely adore playing golf. Uh, and um, I just wish I was a bit better. Do you know? Yeah, I know what you mean, mate. I'm about about there myself at the minute sort of i have this perennial battle with 90 now at the minute i've got the yips chipping i am just absolutely rancid around the greens but to yeah. the green, like my long game's in relatively good nick um but i just can't quite as soon as i have to get up and down it's almost like giving a shot away every time just to get it on the green which yeah. is it's <laughs> not ideal when you're trying to chase um a few numbers and you've got the odd loose drive in you still but yeah i love the battle of just trying to get better at it right and trying to this is my time now summer holidays i get six weeks off try and play two three times a week and actually get a reasonable score before putting the clubs in the garage for six months while it gets cold yeah <laughs> I'm a golfer. 
Yeah, me too. Fear with a girlfriend. Uh, and I just, I, I, like you alluded to before, I just love the walk. You know, it, it's lovely to get out in nature on a, on a great day on the golf course, you know, on a lovely morning. I don't know if there's any place better to be than the golf course. I absolutely love being out on a golf course on a lovely day. Um, so, but anyway, let's talk about people who, who can actually golf, shall we? <laughs> um, yeah, let's. And um, let's, uh, let's talk about the Olympics. Um, what did you think of it, Matt? I didn't know what to think, you know. Um, I found it a really weird event. Um, I think it's strange because I didn't really stay up and try and watch anything live. I just watched it all, being off, obviously, being my holidays. I, I just got up and watched it all on Discovery Plus the next day, which is brilliant because it's advert-free. And you yeah. can kind of just skip through it if you want. You can watch the bits you want to watch. But I ended up watching a good four or five hours um, each morning. Um, for me personally, it was really good in the first round. Obviously, made a bit of money. And then after that, it kind of waned um, into not a lot. But you know what? I thought it was a decent tournament. Um, and really quite a nice golf course. Um, I found it quite strange in parts that you've got players like Stracker, for example, who just seem to be find it really easy. And then you had others, um, JT, for one of them, just, just finding it a bit of a battle. So I think I've always got a lot of time for a golf course that when you're playing well, it seems you make it look easy. But if you're not, it can catch you out. So, yeah, fair play to Kasumi Gaseki. Um, I thought it was quite quite a decent course. And I'm pleased for Shoffley. I think... There's that kind of the the part of golf Twitter that always looked down on him for his wins in in a limited field events and events without cuts, which this is only going to be another bullet in their gun, isn't it? But you know what? He played really well and he absolutely deserved the win despite the shit coming down the stretch. Yeah. My thoughts about it are I loved the golf course. I, I thought it was such a beautiful golf course. Um not so much so much in terms of the landscape visually stunning, but just just manicured to within an inch of its life, um, which you kind of expect from from a Japanese golf course. Um, so I, I, that didn't surprise me, but just I just thought it was a really beautiful looking golf course um, and an absolutely immaculate order. And um, yeah, the green the greens were were so true and rolled so true and uh, and rewarded good putting. The rough was just long enough to kind of get you into trouble. Um, yeah, I, I I thought it was a great course. I really enjoyed it. I I I, uh, I wonder if they'll play with the format going forward because I, I do think that four rounds of stroke play perhaps is a little bit predictable. I wonder if they might sort of toy with maybe uh, I don't know whether it's match play or whether it's pairs or something like that. But um, uh, yeah, I I I I, I think there's there could be a way to sort of spice that up um, drama-wise yeah. a little bit. No, um, I thought when I, w- I was watching a bit of golf at the weekend at Galgorm Castle, uh, the Irish, and I really quite liked that setup of they were alternating, weren't they, between women and men um, yeah. on the same course. Well, I thought something like that in the form of a team event where actually you've got your American women and American men, for example, and yet their scores are combined sort of yeah. within the same event. I thought... Yeah. Quite a nice idea. Now, the mechanics of that, I'm not sure how it would exactly work. But I do agree. I think it kind of just felt like a, a WGC, didn't it? Or any other golf event rather than it, it did. Olympic golf. Yeah, it did feel a little bit like a WGC event. Um, but not to take away from the event. I thought it was very good. It was really interesting at the end what they said because I thought it was uh, very true. It was an odd feeling for these golfers actually now looking at silver and bronze because they're used to so used to looking at only one spot on the leaderboard and that's first. Mm-hmm. Um, now this time coming down the stretch, they're looking at 
you know, second and third and potentially getting a medal. So that was really interesting um, and very different. I've just got to also say, Rory Sabatini, final round, 61. I mean... It's one of those, isn't it, that he switched nationalities for the Olympics. I mean, it's one of those he probably should have had just a daft couple of quid because him more than anyone else has been preparing for this for the best part of four years of his life, right? Yeah, 2020 hindsight, isn't it? Because And and actually, I thought to myself, good on you, Rory, well done, because he got so much shit from commentators about this for... I've been listening to commentators for the last kind of at least year kind of sniggering behind their hands about... Mm -hmm. Rory Sabatini being um, Slovakian. So they, so they were saying, uh, you know, here's uh, Slovakian Rory Sabatini. It, it's being, a, you know, anyone inside, sort of an inside golf joke, anyone knowing that, you know, that he's a South African. So mm. I thought it was really, um, I, when I first started hearing it, I thought, oh, yeah, that's a bit of a, you know, uh, interesting topic or a bit of a, I can see they're having a bit of a giggle. And it, they kept on going and doing it and doing it and doing it. And for him to actually then go out and shoot a a remarkable final round sixty one, but b you know push push Xander Schauffele to within a shot um, of of the of, of being into a, a gold medal playoff, I thought was fair play to the guy and well done. There was something really distasteful um, uh, said to him afterwards as well. Um, it said so a commentator said to him, um, uh, you know, you and your you know and your second wife um, uh, here on your bag, and I thought. There's no need for that, you know. I didn't um, hear that. That's that's disappointing at best. But do you know what? I'm, I am. I agree with you completely. I'm really glad he got a medal because I think without that, it wouldn't have maybe shone a light on all the stuff that's going on behind it. Because I was listening to a couple of um, interviews um, and a couple of podcasts and also a couple of articles after after his silver. Um, and a lot of it was talking about, yes, it is through marriage and he became a Slovakian citizen, but actually part of the premise behind it was that he started lots of golf foundations and he's actually doing a lot to grow the game in that country because obviously he feels some form of attachment to it, right, through through marriage. Yeah. So I think yeah. what's wrong with that and sort of everyone talks about growing the game and I don't think many have actually done anything about it, whereas Rory's trying to bring golf to a new audience, trying to push it um, in Eastern Europe where it isn't exactly a powerhouse at the minute, is it? So No, yeah, no, yeah. No, fair play to him. I, I couldn't agree more. And CT Pan, 74 on the first round. I thought he was, I thought his goose was cooked after round one. I thought, well, thanks, CT. Bye. See ya. I could not believe that he rocked up for a, a bronze medal um, in that, what was it, a five, five man playoff? Yeah, I mean, 66, 66, 63, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is not going to be bad in any golf tournament, is it? Yeah, 74 in the first round, you thought, bye, 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 CT, but nice, you know, nice knowing you. Uh, and uh, as you say, 66, 66, 63, incredible um, three rounds to, to come storming back and actually claim the bronze. So really different in the golf tournament for guys to be scrapping it out for, for second and third and a mass playoff for third, you know, which was hilarious, but, but great. And, um, and, and, and my old mate Xander, half of me was thinking, fuck you Xander, you know, because I would just have been backing that guy all year, but uh, 60%, but 40% of me was saying, Jesus fucking Christ, of course Sanders Schaefer wins this. Why did I not do that? And then but 60% of me said, no, well done, mate. I was actually really happy for him. He's been all over the leaderboards all year. Um, and it kind of makes when I looked at that's another hindsight 2021. When you look back and think, 
of course. His dad um, has a bad accident. You know, he's, he's an Olympian uh, going for the Olympic Games as a triathlete. He, um, you know, he, he, he had Olympic dreams. He got derailed by a drunk driver who hit him. And, and, and you know, he always kind of wanted to be an Olympian. He, ra- he raises a son to become an athlete. You know, his son gets a chance at the Olympics to fulfill his dad's dream again and win a gold. Of course he's, of course. When you think about it, looking back, of course, um, yeah, I mean, and, and parents are, and grandparents are Japanese and and all of that. So, uh, I'm really I was I, I, once I sort of I kind of I could see in the fourth round Hideki your your call, which was I, I actually agreed with you um, on the day I, uh, when you said last week. You know, Hideki Matsuyama is a is a very, you know has to be a strong call, and he was a very strong call, but he just got a little bit. I, I don't know whether it was fatigue or just the um, the occasion or whatever, just caught up with him in the end. And when Xander sort of went on to to win, even though, as you say, he had a bit of a bad uh, bit of a bad session on one particular hole on this, on that par five, um, but uh, coming down the stretch, I was like, "No, good on you, Xander. Well done, mate. You deserve it. You played the best golf, and you've been playing well all year." And he wasn't much. He wasn't. It wasn't like I missed him at huge money. He wasn't much money to start the tournament anyway. So. Um, I know it was it was it was good all in all. Um, I wasn't sure what to make of it, and I, as I said, I was a little bit of a detractor last last week. I said I don't buy this golf in the Olympics, and and I kind of still don't. But I but I thought it was a good event, and um, and I'm happy the way it turned out for everyone involved. Yeah, I think I agree with you about the golf. I'm, I am happy the way. I mean, CT Pans are just a, a case in point, isn't he? He's probably he's won an absolute truckload of cash from uh, Taiwan to that they put up for any medal winner, which is lovely for him. But I think what you say about the golf and it not quite hitting the spot is probably still true. But I think what what it will do is is find its place eventually because this is what the third running of the golf in the Olympics, yeah. one of which was in the nineteen early nineteen hundreds. Yeah, so I think in time it will find its place and they will probably adapt the format. I'd imagine in order to, I don't know, just to make it feel like an Olympic competition. But that said, I'm pleasantly surprised with what I saw um, at the Olympics. So, yeah, fair play to Xander. It's easy to to look back in hindsight because there's probably 50 of these narratives, isn't it? But when you do look back at the at the Xander win and Rory second, it does make you laugh a little bit and just think, follow the narrative and back, back the fairy tales, if you will. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Let's just go through the top 10 of that then. So Xander Schofle, um wins the Olympic gold medal. Um, on 18 under par with a final round 67, just to hold on by one stroke from a hard-charging Rory Sabatini, who shot perhaps the round of the year um, on a on a 61 on the final day. Uh, two shots ahead on 15 under of C.T. Pan, who shot a final round 63, and as I say, he had a bigger comeback than Lazarus in the, after the first round. Uh, and then uh, and then a huge sort of pile-up of, um, of playoff um, for that third position. Uh, uh, they all finished on 15 under these guys. Colin Morikawa, uh, I can't say this guy's Pierre's first name. What, what's his first name? Mm. Is it Miko? Is it Miko? Yeah. Miko, okay. Believe, yeah. yeah. Um, Pereira. Sebastian Munoz played really well uh, and uh, was in that playoff as well. I was surprised that Sebastian Munoz was playing so well, considering he literally jumped on a jet plane and flew across the world. Uh, that you know, after finishing the tournament the week before, uh, so only really literally got off and started golfing again so good for him Rory McIlroy as I say another solid another solid tournament finishing on that in that cluster on 15 under as well with Paul Casey 
and Hideki Matsuyama. So, uh, yeah, as I say, good tournament. Some of the other notable names just outside the top 10. Jochen Neiman had another good tournament at 14-under. Cameron Smith, once again, spluttered around some good rounds, some bad rounds, and, and finished in, the, in that tight 10th with Seb Stracker, who carries on carrots, sort of putting his name up there, Seb Stracker. He's an interesting guy. This guy seems to be getting better and better. Um, Corey Connors, um, Victor Hovland, Abraham Anser, uh, Jonathan Vegas, Alex Noren. Um, my shout, uh, my well, the closest shout I had for the week, um, Kristen Bezadenho, who looked quite good, um, but then had a bit of a sloppy second round of 70, kind of pushed him out. But he still finished inside the top 20 with my other long shot, Thomas Peters, who who, who had in the startling um, uh, first round, um, sorry, third round 64, and I thought it was going to go quite well and then just sort of fell off the edge of the earth again. Tommy Fleetwood, uh, Justin Thomas, Patrick Reed, sort of around the top 20 as well. So, um, Let's uh, pull a line under that and then uh, move back to the PGA Tour. Now, I know you've got a couple you want to talk about uh, on the Barracuda um, um, tournament as well. I don't have any on that one, Matt. So I'm going to start off. um, Let's talk about the the WGC FedEx um, St. Jude Invitational. Um, So that's where we're going to start first. And then and then I'll let you sort of go on to the um, the, to the Barracuda. All right. Mm -hmm. So. Let's just have a bit of a chat about this um, WGC um, FedEx Invitational, St. Jude Invitational. So once again, it's a limited field event. Um, It's a WGC event. It's at the TPC Southland course in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, And it's a a fairly stacked field. And what's interesting about this is there's a lot of guys who were at the Olympics last week literally jumped on a plane and flown halfway back across the world around to America to actually come back and play in this tournament. So that's going to be a fascinating um, factor here. You know, you've got guys like um, Colin Morikawa, Xander Schofle, um, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I think... Um, who else was there? Um, Hideki Matsuyama. All of these guys obviously uh, were... were we're at the Olympics and, and, and sort of at the top of the market. So the $64,000 question, I guess, is how do these guys back up? Um, you know, you would think that these guys are, you know, long enough in the tooth to understand how to sort of manage themselves and their bodies and their time to, to sort of beat that jet lag and, and sort of get there and do what they have to do and, and turn up fresh enough on Thursday. But I still think it's a, it's a, it's a very big schlep to sort of get back around the world again and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if it catches up with a, with one or two of them did that come into your sort of thinking Matt? Yeah it did um, I think it's a hard one isn't it because you never quite know why some of those players are turning up here a large part of it is going to be that it's a guaranteed payday right in a no cut event at WGC I think if you come 60th or wherever the last place is it's about 50 grand just for turning up isn't it so yeah. there is that um, however, there's the, also the aspect that it's a relatively prestigious event and players want to win WGCs. And with it being a reduced field, they've got more chance than most. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I did bear in mind and I've largely tried to avoid anyone at the Olympics just because it's a, it's a factor that I don't want to have to think about and don't, you're trying to guess the right side of things, aren't you? And, I mean, with players, the talent of Morikawa and Shoffley and Thomas and whoever else, McElroy, of course they can win off the back of a bit of travel. But it's just an extra thing that's going to be a barrier to them, isn't it? So largely, I've tried to stay away from it. Um, but I had a bit of a, 
it's a dilemma, isn't it? Because since um, obviously it was the St. Jude previously um, and in its last couple of years as the St. Jude and then its conversion to a WGC, they've just been relatively elite winners. You had Berger a couple of times, DJ, JT and Kepka. So it like more often than not, it's going to be an elite golfer. It's going to be one of the best players in the world who wins. Now, a lot of those players were in Japan and have had to do the travelling, but there are plenty of elite players who didn't go due to the, the limitations on nationalities or them opting out. So, yeah, I've tried to focus around the better players in the field um, who didn't go to the Olympics pretty much. Yeah, it's funny you should say that. I'm, I'm, I've thought the same way. I, I've actually avoided the... I've faded the, the guys who went to the Olympics, not because I don't think they could win. I think they possibly, there's no doubt that, you know, Justin Thomas obviously has a very strong um, background in this tournament. Um, and, and of course he could come back and win. So it's not that I don't think that they could. I just, I'm going to, like you, I'm going to kind of err on the side of caution and go for guys who are a bit fresher, but also um, B, have the ability to, I've got a couple that I think have the ability to, to, to win this and have done well here before and are fresh mm -hmm. and see I've gone for a couple of guys who I just see as you know really good each way value at a, at a big price so without uh, any further ado I'm just I'm going to sort of jump on in and tell you who I like um, as I say so this is at TPC Southland in Memphis Tennessee um, and and it's a past 70 um, 7,237 yards so um, it's a, it's a fairly um, as I say it's it's not a long course um, but it is you know it is demanding in its own sort of ways uh, and uh, and what we've got here as you say um, quite rightly is a fairly uh, elite band of golfers who seem to who do do well here so last year Justin Thomas won this. Um, Daniel Berger second, uh, tied second with Brooks Kepka, and and the year before, um, Brooks Kepka won this. Um, Webb Simpson, Mark Leishman, Tommy Fleetwood, um, Matt Fitzpatrick, Rory McIlroy. So you can see, um, you know, with guys like Webb Simpson and Matt Fitzpatrick being in and around the lead, you don't have to necessarily be long here, um, but you know, you, you do. You know, it does seem that um, there are certain players who, who quite enjoy this kind of venue. So I've um, I've definitely gone for that in a, in a couple of my picks. My first pick is Daniel Berger. I I love the way he finished at the Open. Uh, he, he finished perhaps one of the f best f fourth round finishes of the day. I think him and uh, and Kepka both finished very very strong at the Open. Berger didn't go to the Olympics. I think he'll be fresh. I think he's coming into some part of his game that, you know, I've always been a bit of a fan of Berger. He's a little bit short for me. Um, I've got him with, with Star Sports. He's at 22 to 1, which is shorter than I like. But but I just, I like him because he's a form horse around this course. Uh, he, he likes it here. He's won here before. Um, he's, uh, I, I just think he's um, someone I think uh, is... Trending in the right way, and 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 that, and he's got the quality to win here, and he's fresh. So um, he's my first sort of uh, price. There's um, my first runner. The rest of my guys are are, are quite a bit longer. Uh, so uh, he's my only sort of shorty, I guess you'd call him. My mm. next um, my next pick is, is Robert McIntyre at a hundred to one. Um, I don't. He's got no course form uh, to speak of here at all. Uh, I'm just going on a feeling that, that Robert McIntyre, I think at 100 to one, he's a he's a quality player. He he played the Open well once again. He, he showed himself well in a, in a in a good light after a tardy start at the Open. I thought he played really well in rounds 
um, two, three, and four, and, uh, and and came home to finish quite strongly. I think you'll um, you know you'll have taken um, you know a bit of time to freshen up, and I think at a hundred to one, McIntyre for me is a is a real is a real name to watch out for. I think this young guy has got real quality, and uh, he's he's just a bit of an each way poke for me this week. Well, next pick is Max Homer at 110 to one. It will Star Sports. I just think this kind of he he falls into this Keith Mitchell shout of mine the other couple of weeks ago, where I got him to place at 175 to one. I just think that Max Homer at 110 to one is just strikes me as wrong uh, on the price. Um, he's you know he's inside the top. I think he's still inside the top 50. He might have been nudged out, but but he's in and around the top 50 in the world these days. I think he's. Um, I, I just think he's really uh, uh, an excellent driver of the ball. I've been really impressed with his driving. I've been hugely impressed with Max Homer's passing, and and I just. I think he's fresh. He didn't go to the Olympics. He's. Um, I, I just think at 110 to one in a in a in a no cut event in a small field, that to me is 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 lovely. You know, a lovely value. And that's my my last pick. Uh, that same reasons. I we talked about him the other week, Matt, and I'm I'm going to lob him in here. I'm on, I'm on the same one. Lob in KH Lee at 200 to one because I just yeah. think he's. Limited event. He played well. He he finished well on the last PGA Tour event he played at. I think he's coming into some form. He's he's one of the, as we said the other week. He either goes shit house or he goes great. And I'm kind of hoping he goes the first because he um sorry goes goes the latter because I think 200 to one in the limited field event uh is great each way value for KHV. I think he's a better player than 200 to one. I don't think that's really giving him any credence at all and um so i'm going to lob him in for a for an each way poke at a price so i've got one shorty and, and three longies and uh those are my picks matt over to you yeah i'm also in on Kirchley, craig um we've got a couple that match up actually and i kind of knew we would as i was writing these this afternoon um yeah. but yeah we said didn't we we talked about play Kirchley at, at um, the players championship courses and tbc yeah. southwind is is exactly that um so I looked a bit closer because I mean I'm absolutely fine with chucking a 200 to one punt without any research. But also yeah. when you look at his stats, it's not he doesn't make out incredibly, but also it, it's not bad. So when I was looking at the course, I've looked quite heavily into greens in reg, scrambling, par four scoring, because um, I think a lot of the previous winners and top tens here have done really well on the par fours. Um, so I looked at those, and actually, if you look at Kirch Lee's stats in the last very recent history so in about the last six weeks he's 10th tee to green in this field and that's quite the compliment for a player who's 200 to one very which, good yeah. um obviously that's propped up largely by a really good performance at the was it the 3m where he, he finished hot and uh, yeah. relatively close to places but yeah. i mean this is this is the entire pga tour right this is there are players in this field, there's 20 of them who are about 30 to 1 and under, and he's keeping up with them, T Green. Um, and combined with that, he's not, he's a bit of a streaky putter. So you just like say, you need him to catch fire with that and you need him to get going, which might do, it might not do, but it is a reduced field. I think he's an enormous price. I absolutely agree with you. Um, and I thought looking at the prices, there's it's very much, much of a muchness down to about 
Justin Rose, Billy Horschel at like 66s, and then it falls off a cliff. Um, and you end up with players, maybe Cagely doesn't deserve to fall into this category, but players who actually aren't that much worse than your, maybe Rose is unfair, but your Billy Horschels, your Kevin Kisners, your Cameron Champs even, with recency bias, who actually are a double the price for for reasons that I can't quite put my finger on. Um, but to have Cagely, based on his recent form, um, matched at a similar price to to Matt Jones and to Minwoo Lee and to Aaron Rai even, who's a great player, but a great player on the Euro Tour. I just yeah. think he's very, very long. So, yeah, I've actually had a, one of my chunkier bets on a 200-1 to one shot on, on Cagely because I could see him going well here. So, yeah, we're in on him. Okay. Also in on Daniel Berger, I completely agree. It's a much shorter price than I'd like, to be completely honest. But when you look at his stats combined with course form, that just explains why he is the price he is. And I would be astounded if he finishes out the top 10. Um, he is in the top 10 on tour in greens and regulation, in par four scoring, in approach play. And in his four starts here, he's finished second, first and first. Like, yeah. what what more can you possibly ask? <laughs> you, know, you, look at the, you look at the interviews with him and he, he obviously talks um, with admiration for the course because why wouldn't you when you play so well here? Yes, there was a missed cut. But we know about some of the troubles that Daniel Berger's had. So I think we can forgive him poor performance, to be honest. And yeah, yeah I think at 22s, it is a bit shorter. And it is a, with priced sort of higher in the market than he usually is. But I don't think there's a much better um, sort of meeting point for both both form figures and stats. So, yeah, I'm in on Daniel Berger at, at 22 or 1. The other one, I'm in on at the top of the market of the other couple, um, are Patrick Cantley who is 25 to 1. Now, I, I battled with this for a while because I, I wouldn't necessarily have Cantley just on name value up with the likes of, kind of almost in the same um, part of the market uh, as Louis, as Hovland, as, as DJ even, at, almost at 20 to 1. But there is a bit of a premium here on scrambling. And when you put the stats into the model, he comes out remarkably well. He's number two on tour in scrambling, number six on tour in approach player, five in par four scoring. Like he's incredibly consistent. And sometimes Cantley needs to find the poor, but I mean, that's what I like in a golfer, isn't it? We've had enough conversations to find that when I think someone w works out really well, I will forgive them putting and just hope they have a good week. We did that with Cantley. Um, at Memorial, and he won with a bit of an assist from John Rahm. So it's another course where Scrambling's at a premium and he's got such a consistent makeup. Again, I quite fancy him to be in the frame now. Course form figures of 35th and 12th aren't incredible. They don't shout winner, but when you just anonymise the stats, he was the one that popped pretty much the most, apart from Morikawa, who I'm, I'm leaving alone just because of price and him having played the Olympics. So Cantley, um, my third one at 25s. And then the last one I've got for you is, I mean, it is very much captain of Team Norpool, unfortunately. Uh, but I was looking at the stats for the 3M. Um, and there's a player who played in the 3M that beat every other player in the 3M from tee to green by over three strokes. He absolutely decimated the field. And if he could put, he would have won that tournament. Sergio Garcia. Now, I'm, I've never have been a Sergio backer. Um, no, me neither. Again. But I, you just can't ignore that sort of ball striking. Like I can, I can quote figures to you if you like. But people know what a what a ball striker Sergio is, and he's pretty much hitting it as well as he ever has. And I know he can't put. He not just can't put. He, he's put it horrendously in his last couple of couple of outings. But actually, this course isn't one where where putting comes to the fore. It's not maybe one where you need to be gaining four or five strokes putting. If he puts neutral. 
he's very much in the frame to win this and his ball striking will keep up with anyone in the field. Um, particularly his driving, he's been hitting it off the tee probably the best of his career and for a man with the career that Sergio's had, that's no small compliment. Um, he's He was 70-1 to one in the place. I've taken 60s just because he get seven places rather than five. It's, it's I just think he's going to give himself so many chances and he's going to avoid a lot of the trouble because there is water in play here. And if he's hitting it as well as he is, he's going to avoid a lot of that. And you just hope that he has one of those weeks like he did a while ago where he closed his eyes and hold everything um, and won the tournament. So, yeah, Sergio at 60-1 to one, um, is my final selection for the WGC. Yeah, Sergio for me falls into that category of a golfer I just cannot and will not back. I I I just can't back him both both on a putting basis, but also I don't like the guy, so I just won't. So it, which is absolutely relevant and illogical. But you know how some golfers you just you don't take a shine to, and uh, and he's one of those for me. I just won't back him. Yeah. Um, but that's it's not to say there's not a great player. He's an absolutely amazing ball striker, and uh, and those figures you quote about him being you know. That that far ahead of the field uh, until it got to the green is quite that's quite astounding, really. But um, yeah, so good luck with those. Okay, Matt, um, do you want to just also run us through? Uh, you, you mentioned you had a couple of the Barracuda you like the look of as well. I did. Yeah, I won't spend too long on this because I mean it's not what we came here to talk about. But I could be honest, I got a bit carried away. I thought I was going to have a couple, um, mainly because I had my eyes on Joel Damon um, because I was looking at the the odds board for for the Barracuda. And I just don't understand why Joel Damon is is as long as he is. It's not a strong field. Obviously, it's a it's an alternate event, isn't it? So it's never going to be a strong field. But when yeah. you've got Maverick McNeely leading the leading the field at 18 to 1, um, who's never won on tour and has looked very, very edgy in contention. That's not to say he can't win. He's a great young player. But Joel Damon's almost three times the price as a, a relatively recent winner on tour and a man with an extremely consistent makeup with his stats, again, bar putting. Um, but he is one of those who, when he catches a week, can put. Um, so in this field, Joel Damon is fourth tee to green in the last three months or so. However, on the odds board, he's about number 30 or 40, which just doesn't match up for me. Um, I was looking at a birdie or better average. Obviously, the Barracuda is stable for scoring, which means you, you get more rewarded for, for breaking par um, than you do for going the other way. Um, so birdies or better in Eagles are going to be incredibly important. Um, okay. And prop up your score. Um, and no one in this field is better than 45th, I don't think, because um, all of those players are in the WGC for birdies or better. Now, Joel Damon sits 66th, so that's, that's a decent starting point. Um, he's number five in approach play and number 40 a green in the last couple of months. So I see absolutely no reason that I can't back him at 45s. So I've jumped on here. He doesn't have any course form because he's not played this tournament before. But Joel Damon was out at 45s. And then I've had a bit of a scattergun. Um, now, I won't spend too much time just quoting stats and going through, but they're all based around birdies or better approach play, giving yourselves opportunities. So I've been looking at a part of a model that's like opportunities gained. So um, an approach that gives you a better than X amount percentage of hauling that put, basically, given tour averages, um, combined with a bit of course form. Um, and they're just players at a price. So Robert Oppenheim is 200 to 1. Um, I've had half a point on him. Again, he's in the top 20 in this field. Um, in in birdies or better, he's 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 a good putter and he's not what I normally like to back. But he's top twenty five 
on tour in um, strokes game putting. Um, he came 29th here last year. And actually, his approach game has been sneaky good. It was 67 the last three months. It's 48 the last month. So he's trending a little bit. And if he gives himself chances, he will hold putts. So Robert Oppenheim at 200s. Um, the other one is Josh Teeter. Now, Josh Teeter's kind of a, a name that always seems to be on the first couple of pages of leaderboards on, on these alternate field events. I know he, he chased home Victor Hovland when he won the Puerto Rico Open, I believe. Um, places like the Barbasol, he's had a decent performance. I think he came in 11th or something a couple of starts ago. He just tends to do really well when it's a much weaker field. And he dropped down to the KFT as well, the Corn Ferry Tour, and he's finished in, his, in the top 15, I think, on both of his last starts um, at the lower level. So I think this is about his level, and he's 150 to 1, um, 175 to 1 if, you, if you're happy to take five places. Um, and again, he's top six or seven players in this field at breaking par, which is enormous for me. Um, and his approach play has been good. Is off the tee games more consistent than it's ever been in the last couple of weeks. And at that sort of price, I'm more than happy to find out. You're open for a place, aren't you? Um, mm. And then we'll take it from there. Um, and there's one more. So I did think about Luke Donald. And then I swiftly reminded myself that Luke Donald is Luke Donald. And I thought <laughs> that. Um, but, I mean, he's number four in this field in approach play. So and number 20 in putting, so it wouldn't surprise me if he did do well, but I can't back Luke Donald. It's not it's not the 90s, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But the one that I have gone in... Um, another one who seems to like these alternate field events, and he's just playing really well lately. Um, he's excellent off the tee. His approach numbers are trending, and he came 12th here last year, um, which is a, a definitely a positive, I think. Um, and he just has... A tendency to to score in bunches. Like I don't know whether you've seen him this year, but when he has played well, he's scored really heavily. Which here, if you are making eagles or making strings of birdies, that's going to help you an absolute ton. He is prone to a big number, but the the, the pleasant thing about Stableford is that it's very limited the damage that gets done to yourself. Um, if you do make a big number, because it's only it's a double bogey or worse is the maximum um, amount of points they can they can take away. Um, and bogeys are very much subverted by birdies about twofold. So Joseph Bramlett is 70 to one. So four selections for the Barracuda. Wouldn't it be nice to win on two tours in a week? Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting, as you say, the Stableford sort of scoring sort of system here is an interesting new way to kind of, you know, a, a fresh kind of, uh, perspective on on a on another tournament, and uh, I like your shout on Joel Damon. I, I agree with you about Joel Damon. Uh, I haven't really even looked at that market, but from what you're telling me, so, uh, uh, so what what exactly um, did you get the price for Joel Damon at? So he's I've took forty fives. You can get forty fives with seven places. Um, I think he's forties generally. But yeah. just looking at odds checker now, the, the five players around him are Kyle Stanley, Bo Hogg, Brian Stewart, and Bo Hosler. And then right. Joel Damon's in there. That that just doesn't make that much sense to me. So yeah. No, I agree with you. I think and where where is the Barracuda being played? Sorry? It's in Tahoe. So it's a relatively um Elevated course because it's in Mountain Tahoe. I can't remember the exact name of the course. Tahoe. Yeah, Lake Tahoe. It's at. Um, okay. Okay. It's... Right. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I thought the Barracuda was actually on at, at a coastal kind of event. So I'm clearly not. Um, uh, which would have even made you even reinforced uh, my feeling for da for what you say about Damon. But even though, uh, take that away. Um, he played really well at the open, open Joel Damon, uh, mm -hmm. and um, 
I, I agree with you. I, I, I think that that's a really good shout. He seems overs um, uh, to me. Uh, so I'll be, I might keep an eye on him myself in running because uh, he, he has the ability to score birdies, as you say, which is the most valuable sort of commodity in this mm-hmm. sort of Stableford competition, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. As I said, for those who don't know Stableford, you get kind of like more points for a birdie than you lose for a bogey. Um, and it's the one event of the year where you can open your app, see your lads plus six through three and be pleased about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. All right. Well, look, um, so that, that, that rounds out our, our kind of look at the PGA Tour this week, kind of two events, the, the WGC, the invitational event for the top tier players and, 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 and an alternative event as well. So uh, hope. Hopefully, um, from uh, myself and Matt, you've um, gleaned maybe one or two selections based on on some of the logic that we've um, put or lack of logic. So, uh, in my in my in my case, um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Um, thanks to our sponsors, um, Star Sports, and um, let's uh, have a good punting week in the golf. Good luck, everyone, and enjoy the golf. We'll start Memphis, Tennessee, so it'll start East Coast um, time, so it'll be on you know sort of featured groups kind of. We'd be early in the afternoon here tomorrow. And um, good luck with everyone's sports bets and golf bets. And uh, are you enjoying the Olympics, Matt? I absolutely am. Yeah, it's a treat, isn't it? I've been uh, very much enjoying the athletics. Um, yeah, me times. too. Yeah, I'd be, I was very sorry to see um, your heptathlete pull up with an Achilles today. That was a bit of a shame, wasn't it? Yeah, you feel a bit for the girl, don't you? I think she's been... She's been troubled by it for a while by the sounds of the, the interviews that, that I saw this morning. And she was doing really well till that point. But actually, yeah, there's things in sport, isn't it? But I mean, fair play, didn't she? So, yeah, yeah, no, the, uh, the athletics is absolutely fantastic. I really love um, watching the athletics. How good are Italy at sports this year? What have I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ, what can they not win? They too absolutely soon, destroyed. Um, I mean, well, did you see the the demolition job they did on every single team in that team's pursuit cycling at the velodrome? That was amazing, wasn't it? Do you know what? I've actually not watched much cycling because I've been going through and like choosing events for some reason. I'm not an enormous fan of track cycling, so I just haven't watched it. The only thing I watched was the Danish fella fly into the back of the other geezer um, yeah. and cause an enormous crash because his yeah. handlebars fell off. Well, uh, to, to to sort of bring you up to speed on Italy's kind of incredible year. I mean, so that I mean, they won the hundred meter. Italy is not exactly a hotbed of hundred meter sprinting, is it? Do you know? It's um, absolutely not. No. So they win the hundred meter men's um, sprint. Um, I my favourite event in the track and field is the high jump. I absolutely love the high jump. I always have uh, the height that. Two meters thirty nine. You go, uh, anyone listening? You go you know, grab a tape measure in your house and you measure two meters thirty nine on the wall. It is ridiculous, it you is know. Superhuman, um, isn't it? That these guys can get that high is preposterous. Um, but and so for the Italian to sort of share the um, gold medal with the Qatari jumper, I thought was a lovely touch and uh, and a wonderful competition. So you know, once again, Italian gold medal in that. They win the Euros. And then they go, and, the, and then the track cycling, they were they were behind that Danish team. Uh, oh, sorry, the Denmark team. Yeah, Danish team in the um, in, in the um, men's pursuit. Um, it looked kind of all over for, for them with about three laps to go. They 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 were quite some way behind the Danish team. And then this powerhouse cyclist they've got Gamma, I think his name is, just pulled this Italian team around for the last three laps, chipped away every lap. And then the final lap nailed um, nailed the Danish team for, uh, and an Italian team won the gold in the in the men's pursuit cycling. So 
I mean, just, I don't know what Italy, what they're putting in the water over there at this year, but um, they can't do any wrong in the sport. But it makes for really compelling viewing the Olympics. So I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. And, uh, and every four years, I know it's been another year this year because of the delay, but you kind of forget about the Olympics and how great it is. And then it comes around again. You think, oh, God, yeah, that's why I love the Olympics. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. You're right. It's, it's prime viewing in the holidays. I absolutely, yeah, very much enjoy it. Yeah. Anyway, um, th- thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed Man and Stand again. We'll we'll come back next week and we'll uh, we'll have a look and see how we went on the punts. All right. Let's do it. Good luck for the week, Matt. You too. See ya. See ya.